I am not secure. I am not brave. I am not special. I am not ready. Welcome to Life Church. I'm Aaron Cole, the senior pastor. If you grab your Bible and turn to Exodus chapter 3, we're going to get there in just a minute. If you don't have a Bible, it's going to be on the screen for you in just a second. And uh, also on the backside of your bulletin, there's some notes if you want to follow along. We're into the second part of our series called I Am Not. And um, if you've ever felt like you weren't good enough, um, you weren't smart enough, You weren't holy enough, you weren't pure enough to do whatever God had called you to do or whatever it is, whether it's walking the Christian life or following the call of God for your life, whether it's vocational ministry or marketplace ministry or whatever God has on your your heart and on your life to do. This series is kind of directly geared towards talking about that and answering that. And uh, Because what I believe is a lot of times in the lives of Christ followers, we have... um, almost been prevented because we kind of believe some lies of the enemy that we're not adequate and we're not good and in and of ourselves we're not but through him God can do great things and uh, so we're going to talk about that especially through the life of Moses as he's at a pivotal time that God takes him from the backside of the desert from obscurity and promotes him to lead the, the nation of Israel three million Jews from the most powerful government on the face of the planet at that time out of exile into the promised land and the journey that he goes upon. Last week, just to kind of uh, give you a little bit of background for those of you that might, might not have been here, uh, we began the, be- the beginning part of Exodus chapter 3, and we talked about Moses, I'm not secure. And it all began on one day. God broke this 40 year of silence, and he shattered the silence when he began to speak to Moses. Through one bush uh, on that one day, uh, God began to speak. And God began to, to tell Moses what he had for him. And Moses had one response. And his response was basically kind of, I'm not good enough. And he continues on with that response today when we're talking about I'm not brave. Moses basically comes back and we can pick up this dialogue between God and Moses. And it covers over chapters 3 and chapters 4. But we pick it up in verse 7 in just a minute. And this dialogue that happens between Moses and between God. And, and the statement I want to give you is one need. That's the first blank in your notes is one need. When Moses replies to God that I'm not, I'm not secure, you got the wrong guy, God begins to explain why he's going to use Moses. And he does this with this one need. So let's look at Exodus chapter 3, verse 7, 8, and 9. And the Bible says this, The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. And I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. Verse 8. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians, to bring them out of that land into a land that's spacious, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Pezer, Pe, Pe, whatever-ites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, right? Then the termites and all the otherites. And verse number 9. And now cry... The cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way of the Egyptians are oppressing them. I want to tell you something. And this is the statement that's in your notes. God knows exactly where you are. God knows exactly where you are. If you don't hear anything else I say tonight, listen to this. God knows exactly where you are, and he hears, and he sees, 
and he's care and he cares and he's moved by it. I want to talk about that just for a minute. Because God tells Moses, here's why I'm going to do this. Here's why now is the time. See, they've been oppressed all the way back, if you read in your Bible, all the way back to Genesis uh, under Abraham. We see the oppression that begins as they began to go into slavery. We, 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 we understand uh, how they got there. And they have been in this plight for years. And over the years, God has heard the cries. He's seen the fear. He's been moved by the suffering of his people. Sometimes we think that God is somewhat sometimes impervious to those things. We think sometimes that the heaven is brass, that our, our prayers bounce off the ceiling, that God doesn't really care, that maybe Bette Midler is right and God is watching us from a distance somewhere. That God's just kind of out there and there's this expanse between us and between God. And, and maybe, maybe Christianity is just something for people who are weak-minded and who need a crutch. Maybe this Bible thing really isn't, isn't true. Maybe it really is made up by man. Maybe, maybe God really isn't real. Maybe God really doesn't care. Maybe God really doesn't even notice. Maybe God doesn't even care. I'm telling you. God stops everything and says, I've seen this. I've heard every cry. I've seen every tear. I've seen every beating. I've seen every oppression. I've seen everything and I'm moved by it. Sometimes we, we want to put onto God, we want to project onto God this, this image, this thing that God is, is unlike us. But the Bible says that you and I are created in the very image and the very likeness of God. Not that we ourselves are God, but our tendencies, our, 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 our reflexive actions, our, our, our capacities, our, our minds, our creativity, all the things that are good about us, those are characteristics and attributes of the God that created us. We're fearfully and wonderfully made, the Bible says. And sometimes we think that God is some cosmic killjoy that sits in the heavenlies. He's some, he's some estranged judge that sits on a throne. He, he's totally detached from us and totally detached from where we are. And he doesn't care that we, that we lost our job. And he doesn't care what's happening with our kids. He doesn't care what's happening in our marriage. And he doesn't care what's happening in the world. And God's just out there. And if God really cared then why wouldn't he do something? And if God really cared, why wouldn't it be different? If God really was moved by that, this portion of Scripture, unlike, just like many other portions of Scripture, gives us a glimpse into the emotional side and the emotional state of the God that we serve. And I'm here to tell you, God does care. The Bible says that God's the same today, yesterday, and forever. He does not change. And God hears. God sees. God is moved. We don't think of God in those terms. Listen to me. Sometimes we don't think that God really is moved by our emotions. He is moved by our inadequacies. He is moved by those prayers that we pray that we don't think anybody else hears. He's moved when, when, we're, when we're at our weakest point. He's moved when we say we can't go any further. He's moved when we're at the end of our rope. He's moved. Emotionally, he's stirred. Mentally, he is stirred. He, he, he moves. We, we get another depiction of this. The Bible says, and it just kind of hits me, as when you look into the book of, of Acts and the New Testament church is being birthed, and the Bible says that Stephen, this young man that waited on the tables, that, that, was, a, that was a deacon in, in the house of God, he was stoned because he was, he was dying because of his faith, the martyr's death. And the Bible says that Jesus, who was seated at the right hand of the Father, began to stand. See, the God that we serve, 
If you don't hear anything else I say tonight, understand this. He is moved by us. He is, he is activated by us. He is, he is in love with us. He has this extravagance connected towards us. And whatever it is that's going on in your world, he cares. He cares. Just like a parent does a child, he cares. He hears. Sometimes you hear your children crying, but you don't always run to their aid. Why? Because you're trying to give them some ability to grow and to develop. They'll go to sleep. It'll be all right. You, 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 you try to give them a little bit of room because you know what? They, 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 they fell down and they scraped their knee and you're going to be there to, but then you're going to be okay. You just kind of pat them on the bum and say, it's, it's all right. You're, you're going to be all right. You're not going to die. Conan the Barbarian, that which doesn't kill us only makes us stronger, right? True. Deep theology in Conan. And so anyhow, the, 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 the whole deal is God is moved and he begins to show this side of himself. And so whatever it is that's in your world, whatever it is that's in your heart, whatever it is that you're battling with tonight, whatever it is that you're struggling with tonight, whatever it is that you're going through, whatever mountain you're facing, whatever river that you're crossing, whatever valley that you're going through, whatever seems insurmountable in front of you, I just want you to know if you hear nothing else, the Bible says that God hears and he moves, and he is moved by you and me. And that's what he tells Moses. Hey, Moses, I get it. <laughs> I see it. I understand it. And we're going to do something about it. And, and the question that I have out of that text is, why did it take him so long? You ever ask God why he didn't hurry up a little bit? Right? Does God always answer your prayers right when you pray? Not me. There's many times I'm going, hello, is it, am I down here by myself? What's going on? You ever feel like you're out there on an island? Hello, hello, hello. Someone, 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 help me, help me. I'm going to give you the answer to that question. You ready? You got your pen ready? We don't know. Because the Bible says that God's timing is different than our timing. And his ways are higher than our ways. Paul says, looking in to see God's world is like looking through stained glass. It's, it's, Paul says, we, we see in part and we know in part and we see shadows and we see movement but, and we got an idea, but then it's gone. We just don't know. Because we're not God. That's that whole faith interchange. To trust in God with all my heart and lean not to my own understanding. To acknowledge him in all my ways and let him guide and direct my path. Because there's a way that seems right to me, but the end thereof is death. Just one foot in front of the other. God knows exactly where I am. And he sees and he hears and he cares. And he says, this is the need, Moses. This is why. And because of that, there's one call. This one need, it's real simple, Moses, this isn't, this isn't rocket science. There's one call, one call. I love how God in verse 10 just kind of lands the plane very quickly and he says this, so now go. Don't you love that? And then he looks at Moses and says, I am sending you back to Egypt, to Pharaoh, to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. What's your plan? It's you, Moses. God, what's your, what's your divine plan? It's you. How are you going to do this? It's going to be you. I'm sending you. It's one call. And I love what Chuck Swindoll says. Any old bush will do as long as God is in the bush. Mm, don't shout me down when I'm preaching good. That's good right there. 
mean, that's like, mmm. If that doesn't stir your spoon, don't fell out your bowl. I'm just telling you right there. That, that's good. Any old bush will do as, God is, as long as God's in the bush. Remember the, the burning bush experience we talked about last week? We just kind of recapped it today. That God uses us. Why? Just because he chooses to. And it doesn't make us any more holy or any more special. It just means that God is working through us because he's got a plan. There's a call. And can I tell you, God sees the need and he hears the cries and he's moved by it. And I think in many cases, he calls you and I to do something about it. And we come up with these, with these reasons why we can't. And, and the ultimate re- reality is, is that God doesn't really need us, but yet he chooses to use us. God doesn't really need you, but yet he chooses to use you. And God really doesn't need me, yet he chooses to use me. And, 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 and it's not because I'm so great, and it's not because I'm so awesome, and it's not because I'm so connected, or how much money I have, or, or resources, or talent, or ability, or what I can bring to the table. It, it's because I'm just willing. I, I'm just willing. I think it was Spurgeon that says, we have yet to see a man on the face of this planet that is completely yielded to do whatever, whenever, and however God says. What would that look like? I remember as a teenager hearing that for the very first time and going, I can be that person. What would my life look like if I was completely yielded to God to do whatever, whenever, and however he says? My whole life, and I'm not perfect in this, but that's one of my endeavors in life is to say, oh God, to the very best of my ability, let me be that type of individual that will do whatever, whenever, and however you say. Let me trust in you. Let me follow you. Let me look after you. God, let me do, let me be that bush that you consume. Let me be that vessel that you use. Let me do what you've called me to do. And, And let me say this. Just because I stand here and you may go, that's easy, man. You're a pastor and you're a preacher and you're a minister. And so I get that. I can connect the dots on that. But God's called you just as much as he's called me. You may be called to the marketplace. You may be called to vocational ministry. But we're both called to ministry. We're both called to serve a lost and dying world. And I'm telling you, the world that we're called to serve, God hears, God sees, God cares, God's moved, and he's sending you. Mmm. Your neighbor, your friends, your coworkers, your job, your business, your school, God is sending you. God wants to use you. And I think sometimes we think that God wants to use a person to the left of us and the person to the right of us, the person in front of us, the person behind us, the person across the room. And again, God is speaking to Moses. No, I want to use you, Moses. I am going to do this through you. I'm going to fulfill my plan through you. And Moses comes back with one excuse. He has many excuses. He actually has five. We're going to cover the rest of the excuses next week. But I really want to focus on this one because I think this is what we do with one excuse. Verse number 11 and 12. But Moses said to God, how many buts do you have in your life, right? But Aaron said to God, right? Mm, we always have these reasons. Ah, oh, God, let's talk about this for a minute. Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Who am I? <laughs> Who am I that I should do this? I love God's response. Check out verse 12. And God says, I He's playing off his words. I will be with you. And this will be a sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have, been, when you brought, have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. 
See, Moses asks, asks this question, you know, and he's confusing the whole I. In verse number 11, Moses is talking about himself. Who am I? What connection do I have? I've already tried to do this on myself. I've already tried to do this on my own. I've already tried to make this thing happen. I've already tried to leverage my influence. I've already tried to, to take all of my ecumen and take all of my prowess and take all of my take all these things and try to do something. And when I did it, I blew it up. And I don't have any connections and I don't have any resources. And, and I'm a sharecropper on the backside of the desert working with somebody else's sheep that I don't even own. My father-in-law, I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to make spend my days earning dollars, who am I? Isn't that what you say to God? Isn't that what I say to God when God calls us? And we go, oh, Lord, but I can't do it. <laughs> oh, you got the wrong person. You need to be talking to Mark Miller. Mark's got the gifts, not me, Lord. Oh, God, I'm the wrong person. You need to talk to Dave Neville. He's got the gifts. I don't have it. Oh, God, you need to talk to somebody. somebody this other person, they're best, better gifted at this than I am. And we come, and when God speaks to us, we think, like, we have it all together. Like, we're it. Like, this is, we're the whole enchilada. Right? And God replies in verse number 12, and he says, The eye that I'm speaking of is not you. It's me. I will be the one that will be with you. I will be the one that will sustain you. I will be the one that will let it go. Moses completely confuses the eye. And here's the statement. Who you are doesn't matter. When it comes to the call, it's in your notes, who you are doesn't matter. God doesn't really care. God doesn't really need. Any old bush will do. Who you are doesn't matter. When you're doing the will of God, you are not the, the important part of the equation. It's him. And, and if you ever confuse the two eyes, if you talk, start talking about yourself and not about him, you're going to be in deep weeds in a hurry. That's what got Moses in trouble the first time. But when you re remember that God says, I am the great I am, I am the one that will do this, I will send you, then you're going in his stead and his power. Zechariah chapter 4 verse 6 says, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Here's what I believe. I believe that as long as we're on this planet, God has a plan and a will for each and every one of our lives. There's a whole lot more than just trading our days for dollars. I believe that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. I believe you are. I believe that God knows exactly where you are and that you're breathing and he has a plan for your life. And I believe he can use you whether you're at the top of the ladder or the bottom of the ladder or you don't even know how to spell ladder. God can use you. Make sense? And God doesn't need you, and he doesn't need me, but yet he chooses to use us. And when God speaks to us, we like to have this whole response of, of who, me? Oh, I know there's a need. Because you see the needs around you. Sometimes you'll call me at the office. You'll say, Pastor, I saw a need over here. The church needs to do something. Pastor, I saw this need. The church needs to do something. Oh, so-and-so, the church needs to do something. I saw this need, and I'm thinking to myself, self, why are they not doing something about the need? I didn't see the need. They saw the need. They saw the need because God wanted to use them to do the need. Oh, no, it's not me. Oh, I can't do it. I, I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not brave enough. I'm not. And here's what I believe. I believe that there are needs that you see in your world. And I believe sometimes we make things way more complicated, way more spiritual than what they need to be. Just like Moses. And we complicate things. Because God plan, God's plan was real simple. Here's the need. I'm going to meet the need. I've been moved to do something about this. And I want to use you. 
And, when the, and, and we're cool with God seeing the need. That stirs us. We're cool with God wanting to meet the need. That, that energizes us. But when God calls our name and says, Steve, I want to use you. Oh, who, me? No, you got the wrong Steve, God. Hmm? I'm telling you. I'm telling you, we all live here. This address belongs to all of us. And we have these excuses. And we're going to talk more about excuses next week, all right? Excuses that we give God. Because Moses gave some humdingers, man. He gave some real zingers. And things that we do all the time. So how do I know? How can I tell if God is beginning to meet a need and he is speaking to me? How do I know that it's me? Let me give you just a couple of practical thoughts and then we're going to close. Following God's leading, how do you know? First of all, be certain that it's God's voice. People ask me, man, do I know if I'm called? How do you know you're calling the ministry, vocational, marketplace, what God wants you to do, where he wants you to go? Be certain that it's God's voice. The Bible says that the sheep know the voice of the shepherd. How do you know the voice of the shepherd? Because you hear it. How do you get to know it? Because you hear it all the time. Like in the neighborhood I grew up in, my mother would stand on the back porch and would yell my first name. And I knew it was my mother calling. And I would continue to play pick up football games down the street at Scotty Phillips' house. And she then would again call me by my first name and my last name. And I still knew my mother's voice. I'd heard that many, many times before, right? I'm telling you, all the way down the block. One, one time a lady came over for the garage sale. She said, oh, you have two sons, Aaron and Austin. She said, how, how did you know that? She said, because I hear you yelling at them all the time. Anyhow, and then, and then finally, right, it was dinner time. Dinner was on. I mean, my mother was getting ready to put the, put the food on the table. My dad was sitting down unfolding his napkin, which meant you better get home now, right? And then she would throw my middle name in there. You know that? First, middle, and last. That was serious business. Guys, I have to go. I don't care if I'm the all-time quarterback or not. Peace out. You're it. I got to go. And we would run back home. And, and, and I knew her voice. Why? Not because I saw her, not because I connected, because I'd heard it so many times. You know the voice of God. And when, and when God speaks in your life, listen, you don't need a jury to decide. You don't need somebody to authenticate it. You know. That's the Lord. You know it and you're knower. And, 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 and I know that doesn't sound really deep, but, it, but, but, but it's very, 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 very true. And, and, and you go, well, how, how do I develop hearing the voice of God? Start small things. You feel like you're supposed to do something? Just be obedient in little things. The Bible says if, you, if, you, if you're faithful in little things, he'll make you ruler over much. You, you start in the small and you begin to grow and to develop. Begin to follow his voice in the little things. Well, what do you mean by little things? I mean like there may be times where, where you feel like you're supposed to do something for someone. This past week, I'm out with a couple pastor friends of mine who had come in from out of state, and I was showing them a few things, and we were around town, and we had to stop. I was running out of gas, and I go put gas in my car, and this guy approaches me with two hands in his pocket, kind of a big guy, two hands in his pocket. Doesn't look like he's taking a bath in a few days, and I'm, you know, again, I'm thinking I'm fixing to have to pull a full can out here, right? Guys, sit in the car. I'll take care of this. And uh, that's a joke. Anyhow, he comes to me. And he looks at me and he approaches me and he says, and he gives me this whole song and dance about how he needs gas and how he needs this and how he's got a wife and a kid. And then I look over in the car and there's a wife, there's a kid, and, or there's a lady and that there's a child and it's cold and he doesn't have any gas and da 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 Immediately, I just go, I mean, there's been times I've just been like, hey man, like this is not a cool thing, whatever. I just went over and said, okay, and just put, put the credit card in and just pump the gas and just talk to him for a minute. And just kept pumping it and just kept talking. 
You go, well, it's just, you just kind of know that there's this whole voice of the Lord just saying, hey, that's what I want you to do. Just, just meet this need. I, I'm, I'm not giving them a business card. I'm not giving them the Romans road. I'm not giving them the four spiritual laws. I'm not trying to lay hands on them in the name of Jesus. I'm just simply just trying just to do that. And, just, and he just thanked me and thanked me and thanked me because I had watched because we were in a pretty nice area of town and everybody just kind of shuffled, shuffled them off and pushed them off and pushed them off and pushed them off. And I don't know, but I just know I'm supposed to be obedient. It's not spiritual. You would never know that. Nobody would ever know that. I didn't do it on the church credit card. I don't think I turned it into Gary. I just did it on mine. Nobody knows it. My wife wouldn't think anything about it because I'm all the time running through gas all the time. I'm all, all the time going somewhere. It was just something that I did, just little things. You may be sitting in service, and, and there's a missionary, and there's a need, and God says, I want you to write a check, and, and just don't go, what? Just write it and do it. It may be that, that, that there's someone that approaches you, and maybe it's a pastor on staff or someone on staff. Say, hey, would you be willing to serve in this capacity, and you've got the time to be able to do it? Yeah, sure, I'll do that. And you just begin to flex that. You begin to stretch that like a rubber band, and all of a sudden it begins to work because you learn the voice of God. And when you learn it on the little things, when God speaks to you about the big things, you'll get it. Because I'm going to tell you, when God speaks, you don't need anybody to verify it. You know it. And I'm going to say this, too, say this and I'm going to go to the next thing. There are times in your life and in your journey that you better know that you've heard from God because everything else around you will fall apart and you will stand on that promise of the Lord. There have been times when pastoring this church, I have wanted to fold up shop and quit. I'm not smart enough to do this. I'm not good enough to do this. I am out. I am done. It does not take that long to put those those books on that shelf in a box and you haul myself back south of the Mason-Dixon. And it's in those moments that it's that power of the Holy Spirit where I want to quit and I want to give in. And I hear that voice of the Lord one more time in my heart just reaffirming, I've called you and I'm going to do a great thing. And I'm just being honest with you. We all face that. And I don't tell you that to scare you. Like I don't want you to think, like, ooh, pastor's unstable. We need to get him on something fast. <laughs> I mean to tell you that to say we all feel that. I had a great life. I love pastoring this church. You have no idea how much in love I am with you. But there are times where the way the world just comes in. And you better know that you know that you know that you've heard from the Lord. The second thing I would tell you when you're following the leading of the the Lord is, is be confident in his power. Not in your power, in his power. This is what Moses is about to learn. Be confident in the power of the Lord. Be confident in his power. Because it's not about you. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's about him. And there have been many times in my life that I've reminded God, and this is okay. You're not going to hurt God. You're not going to offend him to be honest with him. And I said, God, you've called me. And to the very best of my ability, I'm not perfect, but to the best of my ability, I have done exactly what you asked me to do. This is your deal. I remember we were looking for property. I'm telling you, man, I pray, I prayer walk so many pieces of ground in Germantown. There is so, there's probably a hundred parcels of ground in Germantown that are just completely blessed. If you ever want to buy it, you just go, that's blessed ground. Yeah, I prayed for it. I walked over and I prayed, oh God, give us this ground. Oh, we need this. We, I remember one day, me and Jim, I knocked on the, on the door of a lady who owned a farmhouse and said, do you want to sell all this for a church? <laughs> she thought I was crazy. 
I remember one time walking through a piece of property and a business guy would not show me and Gary the property. He said, because you don't have the money to pay for it and you're a waste of my time. Thank you very much. And I remember pulling on the church parking lot and sitting there and saying, God, this is your problem. This thing is growing. We got to have a permanent place. I'm tired of paying rent. We need prime property. That's why we call this camp, that capital campaign prime because we were believing for prime property at a prime place at a prime price. And that's what, exactly what God did. But be confident in his power. And there are times you have to remind yourself, hey, this is God's battle. This isn't mine. This is God's thing. This isn't mine. This thing that God's called me to is bigger than me. What he's called you to is bigger than you. Your job, your vocation, your calling, the marketplace, whatever he's put in your heart to do, the dream that he's put in your heart to do, don't be confident in your power. Don't start walking in your ability. Don't walk in what you have the ability to do, what you can bring to the table, but begin to walk in his power and in his strength. I was telling someone this week, I said, you know, I did, we all identify with different biblical characters in Scripture. And the biblical character that I identify with in the Old Testament is Joseph. Because Joseph, everything was a process. And it felt like shoots and ladders. Joseph's life was like shoots and ladders. He'd climb, 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 boom, go right back down. Climb, 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 boom, go right back down. Climb, 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 boom, go right back down. And then God would divinely open doors and would bring him to a place that he could have never got himself. I was reminded this past week in a portion of scripture where Joseph is sitting in the prison and he's told the cupbearer and he's told the baker, both men of the, king's, of the king's house, his ability that he has to do. And he says to them, don't forget me when you get before the king because I'm an innocent man. And I've been in prison innocently. And they forget about him, the Bible says, for two years. And then all of a sudden, ah, I remember that. Because sometimes I feel like I'm in a room where the door is locked and I don't have the ability to get out. And I have told people, but I have to have provincial power from the Lord or a favor from the Lord where somebody else can come open the door that I can't open, right? In order to be able to walk through and to do that. And it reminds me of those times. It's not my power to open the door. It's not my, my power to get out of the prison. It's not my power. It's his. It's his. It's his, and he will perform his work. And he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. And he will not let you starve or stumble or fall. And he will uphold you in his righteous right hand. And he will, will bless you. And he will never leave you. And he will never forsake you, even until the end of the world. Be confident in his power. I think sometimes we just give up. And I get it. I like to, sometimes I feel like quitting too. I say to myself, self I'm going to quit, but before I quit, I'm going to go have myself a Starbucks coffee. By the time I get done, I'll say, I can go it one more week. You ever feel like that? Mm. Be confident in his power. And the last thing I would tell you if you're following the voice of the Lord is be comfortable with his plan. Be comfortable with his plan. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not to your own understanding. Acknowledge him in all your ways and he will guide and direct your path. Don't try to tweak his plan. Don't try to maneuver his plan. Don't try to shape his plan. Just follow it. Just follow his plan. We all have feelings of I am not. All of us do. But there is still one need. There is still one call. And the ultimate question is, what 
will your response be?